Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Gary wasn't going to appear on this week's uh, show at all. And then suddenly he watched the game. He had all these opinions about Joe Morelli and he just really wanted to uh, record a podcast. So me being the nice guy that I am, I, uh, I'm going to allow him to rant and rave uh, on this week's episode. So welcome to the show, Gary. Thanks. I mean, all of that really is just a smokescreen because I want to spend another evening talking to you and... <laughs> <laughs> I, really I just needed an, that. I just needed an excuse to do it, and here we are. So happy days! Oh, I love, I love it. So um, I, I obviously was there. I interviewed Dan Dimick yesterday and released the episode today. But very uh, good episode, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. But it was kind of weird because uh, I'm having a midlife crisis and I'm getting my teeth fixed. So I got like the start of my braces put on. So it involves like a um, elastic bands and a retainer. So if you listen to the episode like closely, you can hear me lisping because I'm not quite used to my uh, retainer yet. So every time there was like a sentence with S in it, I was like really paranoid. <laughs> so you might see me like tail off if I have to say S's. So Mate, uh, I, I I used to have I used to have a pretty bad lisp. I don't I don't know when it stopped, but when I was in when I was in high school, I had a bad lisp. And my surname is Griffiths, which is like, um, difficult to say with a lisp. And my first girlfriend when I was about 16, like in sixth form, uh, we we went out for a couple of months and then we broke up amicably, but one of her mates wasn't happy about it. So she graffitied all over like our sixth form common room, Gary Griffiths with about 50 S's, like taking the piss out of my list. Holy Jesus. <laughs> I know. I, and Yeah. So so don't worry about the list. You're, you're in good company. Okay. Well, then. What a bitch. Anyway, so uh, we're moving quickly on to uh, what's been happening. So I thought uh, I had a little bit of a chat with Dan about the game, but it'd be great to get kind of get your your thoughts on it. But I think obviously the big news uh, from last week, after, especially after you saying that Joe Morelli was a, a horrible person and took away from most of the team and you never want to see him darken the Wanderer's door again. God being God. <laughs> then sent <laughs> then then said to uh, he came to Joe Morelli in a dream and said we're going to get you to fuck up Gary Griffith's uh, life and you're going to come back and play football now. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> how did you feel when you when you uh, I'll joke aside but when did when you heard the news uh, what what was your thoughts and I'd actually really like to to know how you see him fitting into uh, this system that we that we set up. Yeah, I had a few people message me privately about that. Um, I, I feel like it's been blown out of proportion a bit. Like, I, I just, I just, I didn't think he'd be back. And I think there was an element of self-preservation. And I convinced myself that there's no way he could fit in with our team because I wanted to feel better about the fact that he probably wasn't coming back. Um, but no, I, I was, I was completely shocked by it. Norm normally with stuff like this, you kind of get, 
there's little whispers out there isn't there like in back yeah. channels and you have an idea it's coming but yeah I was completely completely blindsided by it I, I really thought when you look at his social media account um how how happy he seemed like newly married newborn baby good job with his family I just thought everything's lined up for him why why would he possibly come back why would he do all of the rehab needed to come back so and like to be honest I I think I was a bit this is so petty but he seemed to like stop engaging with anything wondrous related on social media and at the time I mistook a lack of engagement for a lack of care and then I watched that interview he did with Charlie and the way he talked about watching his old clips from Wanderers and getting and getting teary and upset about it and his wife asking what was wrong. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, Jesus, a lack of engagement wasn't a lack of care. His, his lack of engagement was because he was in pain about not being able to play anymore. And I felt really guilty for thinking that, for thinking he just didn't give a shit. And realizing actually he was probably the mental side of rehab and going through that sort of recovery, whilst also doubting if you'd ever play again and ever do the thing you love again. He probably just had to, for his own self-preservation, step away a little bit. And um, yeah, so I, I was I was surprised. I'm I'm so happy now. Like now I've thought about it. I'm so happy he's coming back. Um, I guess, I guess I'll answer the question in a minute, but I'm interested in your thoughts first about where do you see him playing? Fast. I, I, de I definitely uh, must say, like, I don't think you were the only one who thought his lack of engagement was a lack of, it was just him not wanting to come back and kind of just moving on and all that kind of stuff. Because I, I, I said the same thing myself on the podcast. I've said it in conversation with people that, you know, he just kind of almost just cut the wonders out of his life. And we all mistook that for him just like a lack of care and him just wanting to like just put it all behind him and move on. And um, nobody ever thinks of that kind of side of the game because you don't know, right? Because you don't like you, we, you didn't get any updates. We weren't hearing what was happening. You know, all we got was Derek saying that he probably won't be back. But I, I do feel like he probably had a sense of unfinished business because he was coming into that season after being the MVP and the Golden Boot winner with a lot on his shoulders to help project the club forward and then it was a snatch from him after what was it two or three to second game whatever so I think there's definitely an awful lot of feeling on his part maybe that he had unfinished business and he wants to come back and help the team forward um in terms of fitting into the into this into what we're trying to do I, I definitely think it's going to be a bit of an eye-opener for him and I don't think he's going to walk straight into the team um I, I think it's the way that we play now and the, the the system that we have is obviously way different than what we had last year when he was the focal point, he was the main man. And I just think that what Patrice is expecting of his front player, especially like uh, the way that Thiago had played on the weekend, I can't see him just slotting in as an extra striker. And then when you look at what's expected of the midfield players, especially Aiden Daniels, that was a big point that was made by everybody that he needs to start running, he needs to start tracking back and he's, taking that on board and you can see the difference in him that he's like putting the effort in so I, I think that 2020 Morelli when he was playing in the Ireland games and he was tracking back he was asked to do a lot in the system and then 2021 Morelli who had the free role I think he's going to have to regress to 2020 Morelli to fit into this team and actually put the legwork in and I don't think we have room in the team any longer for somebody who's just got 
a free role. I think he has to, everybody has a purpose on the pitch. And I think um, <clears throat> I could definitely see him slotting in as a kind of Aiden Daniels, like Farron kind of player, but he will have to like change kind of, I guess his mindset a little bit and realize that he's going to have to do an awful lot of uh, donkey work. So I, and I also think that people have to remember that he's not going to start straight away. It's going to be a very slow process because he's going to have those moments of training when he has to, like the first tackle, the first, he's going to probably feel a twinge in the knee. You know what I mean? It's going to be all of these things. So I think we might see him 10, 15 minutes of a game for like trying to close it out. Or if you need a goal, you might see him come on. And then I see like, I kind of see him progressing into the team that way. Um, what about yourself? I think they're all really good points, especially to be honest, when I've been thinking about this, I only ever thought of it through the the frame of 2021 Morelli. I never really thought about 2020 Morelli or even 2019 Morelli in Estonia and what he was doing there. So I think that is something to think about because that does show another layer to what he can do. For me, I've 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 been thinking of it in two ways. The first is okay, what are his biggest qualities and what can we do to to accentuate those qualities. And the second, the second thing, sorry, that I've been thinking about is our attacking positions and what do those roles require and which one is the most an analogous with what he does. So let's say we have two wide forwards, we have a centre forward and we have two tens. He's not, I don't think he's a wide forward in our system in the way we play because there is a lot of defensive responsibility. I don't think he's one of our tens because our tens have a lot of off the ball responsibility. Like they, our tens spend 50% of the match trying to pull defenders out of space. So there's holes in the pocket for our creative players to step into our wide place to step into. I think with someone like Morelli, you're almost wasting him. If you just emphasize that off the ball stuff instead of the on the ball stuff. So I don't see that. And I think, the way we fit him in, and I, I wouldn't have thought he could play as a centre-forward for us unless I'd seen Massimo Ferrin kind of playing there a few times recently. And I think that's almost like... I think they're almost trialling Massimo Ferrin as a nine who's also kind of a false nine to see if someone like Morelli could do that because I think they have similar qualities. I think, I think they can both receive the ball back to goal on the halfway line, spin a defender... <laughs> and lay it off to someone in a wide area or lay it off to one of the tens. They can both do that. And you want, you want Morelli near the goal. And I agreed when they, someone asked Patrice about it, I think one of the one soccer interviews and they said, what, where do you see him fitting into the system? And he said, I'm not sure. I just know we need to get him in the penalty area. And I would agree with that, but I would agree with that with a slight caveat, which is I don't want Morelli to be the first player arriving in the penalty area. I want him to be the second man or third man run because his superpower is sniffing out danger, is waiting for the first attacker to collapse into the box. And then he just drifts into the space and like knocks it in from, from the rebound or arrives late for a cutback whilst the first forward player collapses into the box and, and, and occupies the defenders. That's his superpower. So we want him, we want to get him in a position to be able to do that. We know he likes to play in a left pocket. We know he can drift to the right pocket. So if I was fitting him in somehow, I would fit him in as a nine, but a nine who, a nine who's not a focal point, a nine who's kind of, who can kind of drift under the radar a little bit and 
wide falls who occupy the centre of defenders so he can just kind of drift in, second man run into the box and finish that way. But also, like you said, I think I, I don't think he's going to start many games between now and the end of the season. I think he'll be the first substitute on if we're chasing something. I think he'll get some really nice cameo minutes at home as well, which the fans will absolutely love. But I don't think there's any... I don't think there's any huge pressure to rush this in any way. I think we should just feel it out, see how he gets on. And, and yeah. And, and you know, just the last point on this, I'm talking about this as if like those five attacking positions are set in stone. I think it's just as likely Patrice and Jordan and Jed, they, they think up a new role for him that we haven't seen yet. And they, they, they find a way to fit him in where he does something completely different from what anyone's doing at the moment. And, and that's exciting. That's really exciting. I'm I'm just I'm delighted he's back. Like I, I like I said, I, I was kind of thinking he didn't really care, but then I watched that interview with him and honestly I felt like I was falling in love, mate. I was I was watching him talk and I was like, I was like, oh god, I remember how much I used to love you. I like and, and like I think I've just been looking after myself and trying not to fall in love again, but you're back and <laughs> welcome back, Gal. Yeah. And I think that's something that needs to be uh emphasized too. He's an incredible player, and it's mm-hmm. not like it's not like it, it's it's not a chore for these guys to try and fit him into a team somewhere. Like, and I don't mean it. I, I hope that didn't come across in what I was trying to say. I, I think it's uh, like we're lucky to have him. He's an incredible player. He's one of the best players that the CPL has seen. So there is a role from somewhere. It just has to work within the sense of the team. And like as you said, like. I think that Patrice and Jordan and Jed are smart enough to come up with something to make him fit into the team because, you know, it's just a huge signing for us. Like, you know, we were kind of talking the last couple of games when we weren't scoring and we were like kind of talking about how hard is it to find a proven goal scorer in the the CPL? And we have one, you know what I mean? Like we have, we have somebody who's like got an incredible scoring record in the CPL. So you know, like, like I'm, I'm so happy that he's coming back. I just, I just wanted to work out really well for everybody, and you know, like, I, I just wanted to, I just don't want everybody to rush it back because of nostalgia. I think that, like, mm. you know, we, we have to be careful and make sure that we're doing everything right by him and making sure that he comes back at the right time and not just throwing him in at the deep end and hoping for the best so and yeah with, with these kinds of injuries as well I, I think you find when a player first comes back the first game they look brilliant they look like they never left but then they have a bit of a dip it's like the adrenaline gets them through the first yeah. game and then they start to kind of think about their body and how they're feeling and questioning themselves so I think we need to be prepared for that as fans and to have a lot of patience and not be like so dramatic if he doesn't look good for the first five or six games and think oh he's done he's finished like it's going to take a while these injuries take a long time to come back for luckily I don't think he was ever the quickest so it shouldn't affect him yeah. that much but I think as well you know, we've, we've seen it in the CPL, you know, we've seen um, like, um, Andrew Jean-Baptiste came back, Ricci came back, and, and they, they got injured really quickly after coming back from a serious injury, like like ACLs and stuff like that. Like, the turf, all that kind of stuff doesn't help it. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason that we, like, you know, we need a bit of patience and just kind of, like, let them do what's best for him because the only person who knows their body more than, like, the best is, is, is him. So, yeah, yeah. I'm... But it's it just gave everybody such a lift when we needed it, and mm-hmm. then coming in into the game, then on Saturday it just seemed to be 
a great buzz around the uh the, the stadium everybody kind of seemed like a little bit more upbeat and i think that really fed into the team uh from the get-go and i i know you've had a chance to watch the game since because you weren't there on saturday and like we we just started so well it was just the perfect start like like i like how much we were pre like the high press that we had was like we were just suffocating Valor so much. Um, were you surprised at that? Like that's how we started. Like we, we were, like we were cautious. We were like literally like at them from the get go. I was actually because I thought I thought there'd be a lot of nervousness. So I returned into the scene of the crime for the first time after the York game, and I was fully expecting there to be a bit of a nervy start. But if we got the first goal, they might settle a bit. But it wasn't the case at all. Like I don't know. I don't know what they'd been doing all week in training, but they were just bang on it straight away. They didn't seem scared. They didn't seem intimidated. They just seemed, they seemed excited to be there, which is what you, what you want. Um, And I think when that's something to do with Callum Watson, actually, because Callum Watson is an incredible off the ball 10. He's so pressy and so energetic and so intense. He, every, every action he does, he, he does with intensity. So having someone like that, up there helped us us really press early on um so yeah I, I i wasn't i was surprised sorry really surprised i wasn't expecting that sort of start yeah i mean i mean like you looked at like how how coimbra was like the first line of attack and was like straight into there and i think it's something that they picked out that their defenders don't do well under pressure when they have the ball like it, it, they, they they made so many errors like it was like just they're trying to play across the back line and then always go back to the goalkeeper and then they just always seem to lose possession. And then, you know, once they kind of like got past Coimbra, as you mentioned, like Callum was just there waiting to pick up the pieces or to be that next person to come in. So, you know, it, it was it was it was the opposite of, of the York game. And it was so much fun to, to watch. And everybody just looked like they were having fun, you know, like mm. Aiden Daniels probably his best game and I want oh, sure. I want to he talk about fun. him I really want yeah. to talk about it. do you want to just talk about him now because I thought he was Go honestly mate I thought he was so good like that that is exactly what I was hoping it'd be when we signed him you know he he attempted and completed seven dribbles in that game and I was like that feels like a high number so I googled like dribbles per minute in the Premier League last season and the highest player had seven so wow. he so in that game he he kind of matched the highest players average in the Premier League for dribbles and dribbles completed like seven out of seven completed like having a player like that is like having like it's like being a wizard with a little spell that you can just turn on at any time <laughs> like someone who can just carry the ball through the lines like that like he was his dribbling was outstanding it was really really outstanding on Saturday and I, I've, I've I found the role they've they've kind of carved out for him to be really interesting recently. So he started the season as playing like a, a bit of a left eight or a left 10. But recently they've been playing him on the right wing, but he's not really a right winger because he's been tucking in and forming the tip of the box alongside whoever the other 10 is. And he kind of brings defenders with him. So Zach Fernandez has got all of that space to run into on the right, on the right wing. And, and those two have forming a bit of a bit of a partnership, by the way, like they're playing quite closely together. Yeah. They're looking for each other. So that's, that's something to watch. Cause I think that's, it's got a lot of potential, but just seeing like, there's a lightness to him at the moment, which I've never, like, there's never been a lightness to him before. He's always looked like he's carrying a bit of pressure or expectation, in the in the year and a half he's been here but 
Patrice or whoever has talked to him clearly and and like said, you're a, you're a fantastic player. You've got fantastic gifts. Just enjoy them and use them. And by being given a bit more of a free role, because by by kind of being able to tuck in like that, he can drift across the front of the, the front of our attack. He's just picking up pockets, and his first thought is to drive. Like he he's not thinking about is there an easy passing option on. He just wants to beat a man, beat two men, and create something. And I'm I'm so pleased for him because last season we all know didn't go well, but we're getting we've been getting glimpses and now we've had a full match of like him at the very peak of his powers and sky's the limit for a player like that when he's confident the, the, the thing i like like watching him was just there was like a, a cheekiness to his game so there was like a, a couple of times when like players were like were trying to lunge in and he'd like he like there was one i think where he's like a little pirouette out of the situation mm. and you know these felt like the kind of things that wouldn't come off from previously but whatever this new gift found confidence he has, like he's not afraid to try things and they're working. But it's also like if they don't work, he doesn't look like he's like really hard on himself. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we've seen is that when he's having a game where the things he's trying aren't coming off, like he loses his shit with himself and he gets angry with himself. Mm. But but on the, at this game, like I just thought that, you know, if a pass didn't come off, he just went to try and win it back. And then, you know, like it was a, there was a lot of like focus. And I think that was definitely something that's been missing and as you mentioned like him and Zach like just just the little triangles the little passing it like the interplay between the two of them they're just two really good footballers and they're two really competent footballers too and there's a couple of situations where we were kind of in the corner a little bit and just watching the two of them get us out of trouble just so easily mm. <laughs> it's just it just it, it reminds you why you love football you know what I mean I, I love that stuff you know, yeah, he's a fun uh, play. He's a fun player, isn't he? And he makes you, he just makes you feel happy when you're watching a player like that because not many players can do that sort of thing. And he's expressing himself now. And I don't just mean when he's on the ball. I mean when he's celebrating goals. And that was one thing again last season. Like we talked about, like he didn't. I felt like he he didn't project too. He didn't really project too well out to the crowd. Like he'd play, he'd be a bit within himself sometimes. But now he's again. I imagine someone's talked to him about this and said, just like, just be open, project, project. Like in you feeling passionate or when you're feeling good about something. And I think crowds feed off stuff like that. So yeah, brilliant, brilliant performance. Yeah, like the the celebration for the goal. You know, obviously Callum was doing his thing, but I saw uh, Aiden like kind of like kind of go with the goal himself and kind of mm-hmm. was like really really up for it so yeah it's it's it's, it's nice because as you said you've been saying all along like we've seen the the player he is when he was playing in the usl and, and, and stuff like that and we know he's capable of it and it's it's taken time for him to get there but what is he, uh, when he's playing like this it's just it's it's a joy to watch and you know it, we've all been through like a, a lot of turgid games at the Wanderers ground and just seeing this this game just it just made it feel so good you know it just it was awesome just to kind of like I didn't feel at any stage during that game that we were in trouble I didn't feel like they were going to make a comeback I just felt like we had control from the beginning to the end and that the the game plan just worked really well everybody knew what they were doing and even when we made substitutions the players that were coming on knew exactly where they had to fit into the system and that's kind of one of the things I did want to get into was um you know, you, you kind of mentioned on the, the last episode that maybe it was time for 
uh, Andre Rampers had to have a bit of a break and just kind of reset himself. Um, and it kind of seemed to work because like, like I thought Mo Omar had a really good game because obviously he had Caligari beside him who just give him the ball and he'll do whatever you need him to do kind of thing. But I thought that when Rampy came on, you could see how uh, G'd up he was for it. Like, you know, when the players were coming off, he was like super ecstatic. He was happy for everybody. He wasn't like pissed off that he'd been like uh, not like left out from the starting eleven, and uh, it's just a, it's just a a sign of the man's character that you know that he's he's the ultimate kind of uh, team player. Big time, yeah. That's why that's why he's captain because his attitude. He he's not only an incredible leader when he's playing; he's an incredible leader when he's not playing and probably disappointed as well to still lead in that way to still like you said as players were coming off like how encouraging and enthusiastic he was wasn't sulking after the game celebrated just as just as much as anyone else social media after the game like praising all the players who made team of the week praising the team for their performance saying how happy he is for the boys like he's 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 a leader he's he's the captain for a reason um and i agree he seemed a bit he seemed more relaxed when he came on. He didn't seem so much like he had to carry this whole thing and the pressure of, of, of being the person of being the reference point. He just seemed a lot more relaxed. So, and and I agree. Omar, Omar was great. Omar maybe flew under the radar a little bit, how good he was, but he completed more passes than Lorenzo in that game. And he had a pass completion percentage of like 98% or something, something stupid like that. And I, uh, this is kind of from memory rather than actually looking out for this, but I don't remember him being too sidewaysy. I think he was, and I don't think Patrice would allow any of our players to be sideways passers because their every centre back or centre midfielder's mission <coughs> mo is to punch the ball between the lines. Like they all have to like play that little really acutely angled ball through the lines to play it into the pockets and into the tens. So I don't think he was doing that. He just he was just on it. Um, and I think playing next to someone like Lorenzo obviously helps. Lorenzo, who, by the way, I've I haven't really got my put my finger on it yet, what his role is, but he's 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 being given a lot of license to kind of make attacking runs. Oh yeah. I think he, I think he is still kind of part of a double pivot because um, I think we've slightly moved away from inverting the fullback and we've started inverting the, the the winger instead. So I think Lorenzo is part of a double pivot, but he's given a lot of license to, to, to make attacking runs into the final third, to pull defenders out of the hole. Um, and he got an assist for it as well. So, yeah. yeah. You can see him kind of like popping up in di- different spots, like at the edge of the box or, you know, he, he always manages to somehow be... Um, when Zach has the ball, he always manages to be the guy that's like behind him for him to knock it back and cross it in kind of thing. And uh, as you mentioned, like, I mean, like he managed to be there when uh, the ball broke to him for, for Callum's second goal. So yeah, I'd love to know again, like, you know, like obviously like his pass completion is a big thing, but just, just heat map. He's one of those kind of guys, like, you know, he's kind of kind of got the socks rolled down a little bit lower. And you just, he, he kind of feels like he's a lazy player, but I think he puts in, <laughs> A shift and he just makes oh, it kind of look time. a little bit easy you know what I mean so yeah he, his, his heat map is so like when you look at most players heat maps there's like a really concentrated red area where they are all the time but he's just like dark yellowy orange all over the pitch so it's really <laughs> hard to and it confuses like whatever software the the 
the apps use because they don't really know where to like aggregate him because he's everywhere. Um, but I think he, I think he probably starts as part of the double pivot, but then has a lot of license to join as a ten, and he's kind of box to boxy recently, which is which is interesting. Yeah, um, I, I did want to kind of like bring the mood down a little bit, I suppose. But uh, you know, obviously to make way for the imminent arrival of Gemarelli, we've lost uh, Cozy um, to. I think was the press really say that the, the player and the club, mm. due to the player's request, has um, the kind of mutually agreed to terminate his contract. So, uh, were you surprised that he was the guy to kind of make way? Because I, I know that you kind of fancied him as a player. So, were you surprised when you heard the news? Yeah, I, I quite liked him. I must admit, I quite liked him. And I was really surprised. Um, Patrice had an interview last week, maybe, and they were asking him about the, the step up in level or something. I think it was on the Coast to Coast FC podcast. And he mentioned how someone like Kosi, who is having doubts about whether he's actually at the right level. And he said that on the podcast. And I thought, I thought that's interesting because nothing I'd seen of him made me think that he wasn't at home at this level like without naming names I could I could like list off a handful of players we've had over the few years who you look at and go you are way off it mate like you are yeah. way off this level but he would he wouldn't be one of those that I'd put in that and in that category at all but you know who who knows what's going on with him internally there might be stuff going on in terms of self-confidence how we how much he's settled in a new city and yeah he obviously didn't feel like this was for him, which is fair enough. It's, it's not for everyone. I, I think part of it too, though, you know, like, and I think this is a problem maybe for some players. I could be wrong. But, you know, when you're playing in League One Ontario and he scored how many goals? It was like a crazy, more than a crazy, goal a game. Yeah, a crazy amount of goals. And the same for Massimo and, and stuff like that. And then you make that jump up and you're not scoring those kind of goals. It, I don't think it's because you're not ready for the level. It's just that it is a different level. And he was also asked to kind of be playing. He was playing in different positions. Like he very rarely played. Yeah, like he very rarely played as an out and out striker, which everybody thought that's what he was being brought for because he's a big guy. And you know, you see the way that the Coimbra uh, has been playing and stuff like that. I think that's what everybody expects him to be. So if he has off his own back, kind of gone and said like, "I don't think I'm ready for this level," and I kind of just need to take a step back, I think he's selling himself a little bit short. Um, oh yeah, I agree. And he's well, not young either. He's not like a twenty-year-old. He's twenty. He's mid-twenties. So yeah. I don't think it's a case of I don't think I'm ready for this level. It's I'm not at this level, which I would respectfully disagree with him because I think he probably is at this level and would be fine if he if he gave himself a season. But hey, again, you don't know what's going on in people's lives. There might be more to it than that. Yeah, that's true. But I I, I hope that's not the last that we've seen. And we've seen people come back uh, who kind of. Uh, left the CPL and you see them come back, especially when you've got new franchises opening up and stuff like that. So, you know, we, never, we might see him again. And uh, I, he seemed like a really nice guy too to have around the club mm. and stuff like that. So uh, we wish him the best. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, overall, I thought uh, the whole city needed this. Uh, when I went downtown afterwards, there was a buzz. Like, I went down to the the point for a little bit just to watch the Man City game. And the Wanderers team was there. Uh, sitting at the back and it was like such a buzz around the point of like that they were there mm. because of obviously a lot of people had come from the game so yeah I, I think it was great for them to, to, to see because usually what happens is like they have a shower and they go home and then there's like a whatever and then they go out probably late at night or they might not be able to go to the Monday so the fact they were actually able to be downtown and be part of 
people that feel good factor i think it's going to help them a, a lot too and mm. i think that was a really good move by the club to have them down there and uh, just kind of mingling with fans and people kind of giving them kudos and getting their pictures taken and autographs and all that kind of stuff oh i didn't i didn't know that that's really <laughs> good i think there's probably the club are making a conscious effort to connect the players with the fans because that's something they got really really right in the first season isn't it in 2019 there was a, there was huge huge connection between fan base and players and individual players like really really strong connection and I think for a number of reasons COVID high turnover of players like that maybe hasn't been there so much um and I and I think as well just aloofness is quite cool now for you god I sound like such an old man but I think like (laughs) aloofness for younger people is quite a cool thing whereas most of the fans of Wanderers are like 30s 40s 50s 60s 70s or whatever where that's not necessarily um anyway I'm I'm turning into an armchair psychologist but I think it's good that they're making an effort to kind of forge those connections again Uh, and I'm glad the players had that moment to feel so appreciated as well that's really nice yeah and and even after the game you know like uh, they were over in the the corner like they were signing autographs they were kind of like flying flags with the with the supporters groups and and all that kind of stuff and it was just it was just a nice vibe like like I kind of left you know after I saw them do like the the little kind of walk around and I ran down for the the, the game and stuff like that but yeah it was kind of it was really nice and it was just a nice vibe around and I really hope that we can kind of continue this on uh, I, I think that it's going to be a totally different game against uh, Calvary and I don't mm. think we're going to, I don't think we can expect the same level of performance I think because it's going to be a different proposition because they have they play a totally different style to the way uh, Valor did so I'm just hoping that we have, I'm sure they have everybody's done their homework on them we kind of get a likable result <laughs> well Probably. the the problem is i'm gonna be there so the, the good I thing mean, is i'm not though so oh, do you I, think we I, balance each other out there yeah i think so so yeah i'm going to, to ireland on sunday and i just think it'd be a bad idea for me to go downtown and <laughs> get get into one after the game so <laughs> yeah, that's I'm trying to, a good uh, point. yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to save myself for uh the flight over and stuff like that so yeah um and speaking of that like obviously i'm gonna be away for uh, 10 days or so so it's going to be next week there won't be a podcast and the week after i'm back on the wednesday so we might be able to fit one in towards their friday depending on yeah. how my liver is um <laughs> if not then we might be two weeks without an episode so don't to forget fair, about to us be, to be fair mate there's enough wondrous content out there right now i think i think there's yeah, enough I to satiate people it's it's crazy isn't it like i mean it's uh yeah so as i said that's what i'm just saying i hope that people don't forget about us if we're away for two weeks but uh yeah you know you, you keep the, the home fires boring and gary make sure that people don't forget about us i, I could i'll host a twitter live space just <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a fucking lie <laughs> so i guess i have to ask you before we go uh yeah. who was your I, I guess this probably might be an easy one and you might have somebody else in mind uh who was your uh, man of the match nah Ethan daniels definitely yeah Nice. I thought you were going to go for uh, Callum. So no, uh, I, 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 well, Callum was great, and he scored two goals. But I was, I'm just so buzzing about that performance from Aiden Daniels that it's him for me. Does that mean you're going to go for Callum? No, like I, I thought that uh, I, I kind of mentioned that, that I thought Thiago Coimbra was amazing. Oh, good, sh- that, good shout! Good shout! I thought Aiden Daniels really was hard. was really good. I thought Callum Watson was really good, but I, I just feel like I give it to the same person every week. I thought Zach Fernandez again was just rock solid great, out, great outlet on the right hand uh, side Just... mate Ca- Callum Watson is going to be fucking livid 
Well, you know, I, I feel like he's... Friend of the podcast, two goals, and we don't give him out of the match. I, I, feel, I feel he needs to be taken down a peg or two. That's his problem. I would, I would, I would agree he's, with that, yeah. He's walking around town like Bertie Big Bollocks right now. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, we're the right people to kind of keep him level-headed, so... Yeah, and that's, that's no revenge. Man. That's revenge for his dad calling me Tubby Prince Harry as well. And also revenge from being an Arsenal fan, so... Yeah. Mm. Well, you know what I know. You know what I noticed talking about the Arsenal thing. He wears number fourteen, and I wonder if he's done that because of Thierry Henry. I, be- I can I definitely, bet I can definitely see the similarities in their style of play. <laughs> Absolutely, two, yeah. two great finishers. Uh, yeah, Gareth, it's been awesome. Uh, thank you for jumping on. Like I know, I know uh, you've had a bit of stuff going on, so it's really great that we actually got the chance to do this. And I'm really glad too because we're, it's not a depressingly horrible podcast we actually get to be happy and yeah there's celebrate. no there's no way i'd have found time if we'd have lost <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so uh, it's been great hanging out there and i'll see you on the other side man all right mate safe travels have a good trip take care buddy thanks bye, bye.